This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Today's episode of Persuasion is sponsored in part by LifeWay's Christian Standard Bible, a translation that presents the truth of God's Word with accuracy and clarity. The CSB equips today's readers for lifelong discipleship with hundreds of designs to choose from at csbible.com. I'll post those CSB details in the show notes so that we can move into today's episode, which is the start of a new mini-series, just in time to kick off the holiday season. Now, the holidays come with their own set of challenges or holiday hurdles. So this mini-series we're calling Happy Thankful People, and we will be inviting guests to help us with all of these challenges. Hannah, are you prepared for this holiday season? What? I don't think I am, but I don't think it really matters because it's coming. <laughs> it's and here, despite everything. It is one of those things where every year we kind of have the holidays come and we're, we're aware and we're sensitive of the challenges. And I know in the past on Persuasion, we've talked about, um, you know, giving awareness to people who might be alone at the holidays or our own sense of private unpreparedness or inability to um, celebrate the way we think we should. But like this year, like all bets are off. Like nobody, nobody's going to enter into the holidays easily this year. Um, No, I don't think so either. And I always think of the holidays as this time of we're entering into something meaningful, like something meaningful is supposed to happen. And I think it's those expectations that can cause some of the challenges for for me and for others. And this year, things are already at a halt or or at a disrupted phase. And so I don't know if we're already in this mode, like we're already at the point of thinking everything through and wondering what's going on. And so I don't know if that will cause us more holiday angst, or maybe we'll just by the time we get to Thanksgiving and to Christmas and New Year's, maybe we'll just all be working through all of those issues. And maybe it'll be better. I don't know. But I do know that the challenge for me this year is going to be how am I supposed to feel? Like, am I supposed to just say, oh, the holidays are here. What a nice break in the middle of the apocalypse, you know, or the holidays are here. I'm going to try really hard to have some semblance of normal because maybe I can 
find or regain that equilibrium that's been lost over the last few months. But I think that's that's part of the reason why we wanted to give our attention in this mini series to folks who can help us um, navigate this dilemma between what we think we should be feeling and pursuing and maybe where we are. And so within this series, Happy Thankful People, each episode, we're going to have a guest on who can help us think about the um, question of being happy through this season, the question of being thankful in this season, and uh, finally, how to engage with other people within um, this holiday season, even though a lot of our regular routines and rhythms are disrupted. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to talking through these issues because they come up every holiday season. They're they're tangential. I mean that they're they're part of it. It's like they're embedded. But I feel like this year there are extra challenges and the feelings um, of happiness, gratitude, joy, and also all the socializing, it's all different. And I feel like this is the perfect time for us to dig in a little bit and try to sort out how are we going to approach this holiday season where we don't know what to do. We don't know the how to pursue the things that we used to. Maybe we have to look at it in a new way and in a fresh way. So that's why we are so thrilled to have guests with us. And today we have a special guest. We have Barnabas Piper with us today. Hi, thanks for having me on. Now, we invited Barnabas on uh, for a lot of different reasons, but the main one is that he has been giving his attention to um, this question of happiness. Now, it goes beyond the holiday season. And in fact, Barnabas has just released a book entitled Hoping for Happiness that tackles this tension between our longing for happiness and uh, what we actually experience. And even though it's not necessarily related to the holidays, I think he has a lot to say about navigating um, this tension between what we think we want or what we are hoping and trying to achieve and the process of actually uh, reaching happiness. So Barnabas, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Can you tell listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work, kind of what you spend your time doing and where you're situated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am on staff at Emmanuel Nashville. So it's a a church in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, People may be familiar with it if the name Ray Ortland rings any bells. He was the founding pastor and just recently handed off the pastorate to a guy named TJ Timms. Uh, so I serve with and under TJ. I am actually uh, just went through the ordination process. And uh, at the time of this recording, I'm in the middle of kind of an in-house candidacy for an assistant pastor role. So I was already on staff and I'm moving towards that. Um, which is a really significant shift for me because I spent the prior 14 or so years working in Christian publishing, um, doing sales and marketing and acquisitions and a variety of other roles. And that's kind of where I've, where I've been ministry and, 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 uh, work-wise for the last decade and a half or so. Yeah. And the irony I love about this is one of your books is The Pastor's Kid, (laughs) which you are now drawing your own children into yes, the I'm, uh, possibility. <laughs> I don't know if that's ironic or hypocritical. Uh, one, one of the things I noted in that book is the sheer number of pastor's kids who end up in vocational ministry. And at the time I wrote it, maybe six or seven years ago, um, I was really surprised by that because in my own mind, I thought, well, I will never do that. That's, that's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. 
And so it was, uh, it, God has other plans and one should not tell God never because he, he has a way of saying, <laughs> really, I think that might be what's best for you. Yeah, I don't think of it as hypocritical at all, but I do see it as a beautiful literary irony. Um, and I just love when God does that. Like as the author of our lives, he's got all these little hidden secret twists that he's just like, wait till you get to chapter 14. Just wait. It's coming. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it, it's when you look back, you go, maybe that was predictable, but it, it doesn't feel that way when you're living mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Very good foreshadowing, you know, like he's kind of got it built in and then it comes. It's as if God knows what he's doing. As if. (laughs) Today, though, we want to talk to you about this new book, um, Hoping for Happiness, that released October 1st. Um, Can you also kind of tell us what you're thinking, like what motivated and prompted this topic? Because Mm -hmm. you do write and speak about a lot of different things. Um, So why did this capture your attention? Yeah, that's a almost, I think every single one of my books, so this is my fourth one, comes from a combination of something that I experience or an ongoing experience that sort of, you know, kind of becomes an itch that I feel like needs to be scratched. And then turning my attention from that to, is this anybody else's experience or am I just kind of crazy? Am I living in my own head? Mm-hmm. And realizing that my experience as it pertained to expectations and happiness and what is what is it, what does realistic happiness look like in a the messed up fallen world, uh, was the same experience that a lot of people had. Um, so then when I approached writing it, I really, I was trying to write it to kind of, to, to push against or correct, if you will, two extremes. On the one hand, you have sort of your stereotypical American dream chasing, always pursuing the next pleasure. It's, you know, you just, you see it all the time as people, move from job to job or move from relationship to relationship or, you know, there's just always a chasing aspect. But then on the other side, and this was the, this was where I come out of a little bit more is the conservative Christian um, suspicion of happiness. Mm -hmm. The idea that, that happiness is, is associated with worldliness. It's somehow trite or temporal or meaningless. And so we should resist it. And so you know, I come from a tradition where joy is talked about a lot, but happiness is looked at kind of askance. And, um, and I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought that doesn't, that doesn't seem to make any sense. It also doesn't seem to mesh with what scripture lays out in terms of how God intends for us to engage the world that he's created. So trying to kind of find a third, a third way between this Christian skepticism or worldly pleasure chasing and say, what does, what does realistic happiness look like even in the midst of a messed up world or a difficult life? I really like that phrasing of the suspicion of happiness within the Christian culture. I've noticed that and um, sensed it in conversation and, and even as people are trying to sort through if you aren't happy, is it is it some sin issue or is it okay to try to make changes in your life because you would prefer something and you think that might make you happier? Almost like there is a definite negative bent if you are trying to move toward happiness. And there was even a line in, um, in your book that I really liked that was just so um, – 
simple and profound, but it has stuck with me. You said God didn't put us in this world to be miserable. And it first of all, it just made me laugh because I thought, oh, yes, this is true. And yet, I think that this is what we struggle with is, well, if he, d- he may not have put us here to purposefully be miserable, but is that license then to live and move toward happiness. That seems a little too much. And so I, I really appreciated the way that you stated that because it it is highlighting the concern that I hear so much in, in Christian conversation. Yeah, it really does seem like that Christians Christians feel stuck in I think I think almost any Christian would agree with that statement. God didn't put us here to be miserable. But if you ask them, well, what did he put us here for? They might go to mm-hmm. like the you know, what is it, the Westminster Confession. Uh, you know, to to glorify sure. God and or and enjoy Him forever, but they still wouldn't associate that with like genuine sort of belly laughing happiness where you you really enjoy life. So there's there's some sort of a chasm between in glorifying God and enjoying Him, and I really have a good time, and that mm-hmm. and yeah. But if God didn't want us to be miserable, I don't think that chasm should exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think sometimes our attempts to bridge that chasm end up uh, really awkward where we're enjoying something, and so we have to attribute it to some level of spirituality, which is the hashtag blessed kind of phenomenon, yes. where like, yeah. I really am enjoying something, and I just want to express that joy, but I know I can't do that because then I'd be too happy, <laughs> so I have to spiritualize it and say, look, I'm blessed, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I absolutely see what you're saying there. Yeah, the, the blessed thing is an interesting one too, because it, if social media, first of all, is sort of a, a weird dehumanizing thing. I use it, I enjoy it, but it, you look at it and you go, this is the, the most stilted form of human interaction. If you imagine somebody <laughs> living and acting that way. So imagine, remember back months and months ago when we could, you know, host a cookout or have a dinner party or something and it was safe. Um, imagine somebody in the middle of that, there's laughter, there's music, there's games, there's wonderful food. And somebody just kind of calls time out and just yells, aren't we all blessed? Let's, let's just stop and, and reflect. (laughs) They just killed the, they just killed the fun. Whereas I think God smiles upon the laughter and the music and the relishing this great food and, and all of that. But there's that, and and that's sort of the, the Christian, uh, we we have sort of a an inability to interact with happiness in a free way and just a genuine yeah. yes god has given this to us so let's maximize it let's let's maximize all of these things that he has given us in the way that he intended and just really enjoy them this episode is brought to you in part by beyond ordinary women ministries which prepares christian women for leadership at bow We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, 
Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, we're talking today with Barnabas Piper about his book, Hoping for Happiness. And Barnabas, you just had mentioned this whole idea of um, needing to define our happy moments and and make sure that we are certain that God is involved so that we feel okay about being happy. What is it about um, our pursuit of happiness where maybe our expectations for it are maybe unrealistic or we're expecting happiness to be a certain way or we have to define it a certain way? What have you found about that as you were looking into this for your book? Yeah, I, in terms of expectations, it seems like we 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 persistently and when i say we i just mean all all people this isn't you know this is not a particular category of people we consistently expect the wrong things from whatever we're whatever we're basing our hopes in so you see it when somebody starts a new job you know you you watch their instagram feed and there's photos of the new office and the view from the office and lunch with coworkers. And this is amazing. And that goes on for, you know, two to three weeks. And then there's two to three weeks of relative silence. And then you know that they've hit that, that expense report point where they're like, oh, there's like grinding, miserable, busy work here too. And, and it's still that thing. And so, and, and all of a sudden their, this dream job became a job. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we all know people who they marriage is blissful until it isn't, you know, and then all of a sudden the, oh, this takes intentionality. This takes investment. This takes humility. I need to, I need to work on myself and be, and, and continue to grow. And that's sometimes very difficult and sometimes it doesn't work out. And so there's this, there's this expecting the wrong things of, of whatever we're hanging our happiness on. And and it's just, and, and I think the reason for that is because we struggle to hold a couple different ideas in our minds at the same time. I don't think most Christians have have a good understanding of what of of Genesis one and Genesis three. So I don't think they have a good understanding of when God created the world and called it good. The the extent to which that goodness, I mean, just the the massiveness of that goodness and the perfection of it. And then they don't have a good understanding of Genesis 3 in two ways. One is they either think it wiped away all the goodness, so the world is terrible, which is not true. The goodness of God did not cease to exist in Genesis 3. Or they don't understand the extent to which the curse of Genesis 3 has has made everything diminished in some extent. And so we can't expect maximum happiness out of earthly things. And so... It, we have to hold those two realities in tension to be able to really enjoy and appreciate things, but also really not hang all of our hopes on things outside of the eternal truth of the gospel. I, I hear what you're saying about these expectations and having them rightly situated. And I get that. I think maybe this is the cynical side of me. It's like, okay, are we just having 
too high of a bar. Like maybe we just need to lower expectations and then would we have higher happiness? Right. Like so what do you what do you think I want to jump that? in here. Yeah. Because like for a long time my life motto has been be happy for what you've got because that will ensure that you're happy, right? Because you have what you have. Because you have what you have. <laughs> But what if you don't like what you have and it's not Just making you happy? Just be happy with it. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> and everybody's mom, and everybody's like... mom said amen. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, seriously, this is the tension of setting our expectations rightly because I do hear this uh, question of how far has the curse affected our ability to be happy? And, and in response to that, it's very easy to say, well, any little happiness you get, you should be thankful for. And kind of to fall back into this cynical approach to life that really sets your hopes. You're not even hoping anymore. You're just like, whatever comes, comes. And I'll take what I can get and long for heaven where I'll be happy eventually. Right. But I, no, that's not exactly what the scripture is presenting, right? And yeah. and I, so and and that's where like those those two ideas and tension are. I mean, they're, they're genuine tension because on the one hand, there is the promise of real significant and profound happiness, and on the other hand, there's the promise of real significant and profound disappointment. Um, and so, it the the cynical the cynical bent is to lower the bar. I think, Aaron, you said that. To just sort, of, it, but th- basically that lowers the ceiling on your happiness. So the idea of, and I, I have, I have used this phrase almost as a motto at various points in my life. But if you have low expectations, it's very difficult to be disappointed. That mentality. Amen. It's true. <laughs> it's also really difficult to be thrilled. You know, so 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 you. It's kind of like you have. This range. And if you've lowered or shortened your range, you're shortening it the whole way around, not just on the the fear that you won't be happy. You really won't be. You could almost call that like the McDonald's or the Taco Bell motto. Like you don't walk into McDonald's Uh or Taco Bell and think this is going to be the most amazing meal I've had in the last month. You know exactly what you're going to get. You're not going to be disappointed because like their range of delivery is tiny. They're, they do the exact same thing over right. and over again, and you, and so you're you're genuine you're gen, genuinely satisfied, but you're not thrilled, and you go away, mm-hmm. and maybe you regret your decision later, maybe not. But but that's <laughs> yeah. But like if you, but it's stable yes. and it's predictable, and it's consistent, yes. and all of those things have a certain amount of benefit to them. But again, they lower the ceiling on how good things could be. So for to continue mm-hmm. that. That uh, metaphor, if, you know, a new restaurant opens up and it's, you know, some farm to table, new chef, grave reviews. To me, I go, this might be the greatest meal I've had in the last month, or it might be just like a a vegan disaster, you know, like who knows? No offense (laughs) to vegans, I'm not one and I struggle to enjoy vegan food. Uh, And, but the range of possibilities is a lot bigger. But going in there, mm-hmm. so so there, that seems like a situation where I need to hold two ideas in tension. And this is a very, just a very basic, you know, kind of parallel to the Genesis 1, Genesis 3 thing. There, there's the possibility it could be a mess. But if I'm counting on that, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy it. There's the possibility it could be amazing. But if I'm banking on that, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. So there has to be almost an open-handed expectation of, hmm. I'm just going to experience this. In the hopes that it'll be great, 
the realization that it might not be. And then, you know, just kind of sort out the thankfulness after the fact type of thing. We're yeah, I loved that part. It wasn't as crazy about that part. The company was really good, had a good evening overall, might go back, might not. But there was a, there's a, there's a genuine, there's a, like a, a general positive swing to that as opposed to a, mm-hmm. oh, it was the worst. I hated it because I thought it was going to be amazing and it wasn't, or it was as bad as I thought it was going to be, you know? And so it, does, that, does that kind of track in terms of the, this, how cynicism lowers our ability to really enjoy something. It definitely helps in that, but it's also making me wonder on the flip side, like if we have the cynic on one end, then I don't know if we'd put the overly optimistic or Pollyanna on the other end. So, So is it possible that if someone is coming at life from that angle, is that also somehow affecting the depth of your happiness. My, yeah, my observation there is that optimists. So the 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 kind of at the extreme end of optimism, those who just is that they they tend to enjoy life more than the cynic most of the time. But when they are disappointed, it's devastating. You know, the cynic the cynic has a harder time getting devastated because because he's just never climbed high enough to fall very far. Um, the optimist is just like you know doing a high ropes course with, with no safety belt. And so it's a thrill until it's not. And, and so it's, you know, for the, the, my favorite example of this currently is all the people who look forward to 21 and go, man, I just can't wait for 2021. It's going to be so much better. Why, <laughs> why, right. why is it going to be better? And I don't, and, and I don't mean that pessimistically. I just mean new year's isn't a reset button. We just, it just it just it, it just rolls over. The calendar just continues going. <laughs> I love the new year, Barnabas. Don't well, don't ruin it. It's a that good chance me. to like personally kind of rearrange things, but the world doesn't stop. Right. And so Right. It's, it's a good chance to move from being an optimist to a pessimist. That's <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things where we 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 have to look ahead at twenty twenty one and go, there are reasons for optimism. You know, there's news that's come out recently about yeah. a potential vaccine for this horrendous virus. That sounds like potentially wonderful news. Uh we I'm not gonna touch politics on this podcast. I there I think there are reasons for some at, you know, some positive leanings on that front. There's also reasons to be real concerned. Uh, there's the economy has, has stabilized at, at this point. There's, there's just these things you look at and you go, yeah, this is, there's reasons for optimism. That's not to say 2021 is just going to be, you know, the sun's going to come out tomorrow after this, after Mm -hmm. this, you know, hurricane of a year we're, we're experiencing. And that's where I think optimism sets you up for, again, you're, you're, you're hanging your, you're hanging your hopes on the wrong things. You're expecting the wrong things of time moving on or a political mm-hmm, election mm-hmm. or whatever. And so yeah. I, I think my goal wasn't to suppress an optimist happiness, but to just say, you know, put your safety belt on, on that high ropes course, like have your thrills. Sure. Good. I, I'm amazed by people who are constantly positive, but there needs to be a groundedness that says <laughs> a falls, a falls going to happen at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really appreciate the language of hope here, because hope and optimism are not the same thing. Hope is this deep-seated confidence Mm -hmm. in God that his goodness will prevail despite the brokenness and that 
that kind of eternal focus is what gives you the equilibrium you need to navigate um, a world that you really can't control and a world that even if you, you know, landed on your cynicism or pessimism isn't going to play out even in that respect. Um, And so the, the language of hope seems to me to be the way forward. Um, and like you said, you're not pinning your hopes on the circumstances. You're not pinning your hopes on the world being good um, and providing your happiness, but you're pinning it on um, something greater that's going to stabilize you in this kind of already not yet experience of the world. And I really loved how you pulled Ecclesiastes through a lot of your discussion of the book, because ultimately there we're seeing the same kind of conversation. Yeah, I, I think Ecclesiastes, I, I don't know if we're kind of supposed to or allowed to have favorite books in the Bible, but it's it probably is mine. It's the one I go back to more often than any other, because when it, life feels like a perpetual pendulum swing or hurricane, or take your favorite mm-hmm. unstable metaphor, mm-hmm. and, Ecclesi- and Ecclesiastes right? just shakes it all the way down to the foundation and just says, all right, here's where we're at. We're just, we just leveled things off. We shook things down. Because it it just it cuts through all of the life experiences that we have tried to find happiness in. We've got youth, we've got romantic relationships, we've got wisdom, we've got work, we've got wealth, we've got you know notoriety, and he just that's all the stuff that he says vanity of vanities. He doesn't say it doesn't. He said doesn't say it's not. You know it's it's an inherent negative. He just says it doesn't last. There's good and then it's gone, and then he ends with. You know, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commands. This is the whole duty of man. I think that's uh, 12, 13, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. And, and there's just, there's a hopefulness in there. There's a, there's a promise in that. Fear God. Well, that's, that's speaking to God's omnipotence, his, his wisdom, his presence. There's a, there's a personhood there in, in God. That's not just a have a, have a good mindset. That's hang your hopes on the Lord and keep his commands. That's that's our moral and uh, and clear way forward. And that includes rejoice in the Lord. That includes the commands from Ecclesiastes, like enjoy the wife of your youth, eat your bread with gladness, all of these things that speak to enjoyment. And then, of course, the commands throughout the rest of the Bible of, of gladness and singing and, and these kinds of things. And so you have this this clear sense of where our hope lies, this clear way forward. And it just cuts through that unstable pendulum swing of high hopes and disappointment and high hopes and disappointment. And you end back at fear the Lord and keep his commands. This is the whole duty of man. That is such a good word, Barnabas. And I I think especially for this year and even moving into the holidays, I feel like that gives us something solid to to hang our expectations on and to um, look toward and to shape our thinking towards. So we really appreciate you coming on to Persuasion and talking through this with us. Um, thanks for being with us. And I will make sure that everyone um, has all the links for your book and to follow you online in the show notes so that people can find you but we really appreciate you being here. Well, it's been a pleasure. And I really, really appreciated the conversation and the questions y'all brought and, uh, and just the, the insights you, you even gave me about kind of how I should think through this. So thank you. 
Oh, well, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. And for all of you out there, um, check out the show notes and we'll get the links for you there. But that does it for this episode of Persuasion. Make sure you come on back for the next two episodes of our series, Happy Thankful People. And as always, we want to hear your insights as well. Um, Part of our goal here on Persuasion is to spread the conversation, to get you talking with uh, your friends and family, to prompt um, new ways of thinking and new dialogue. You can find us on Twitter at Persuasion CAPC, and you can join us there with your insights and thoughts on this episode. You can also join us in the Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum, where we carry the conversations over um, to discussing in the threads and all kinds of other things there. You can join that for just $5 a month, and that supports the work we're doing on Persuasion, as well as um, all the other good articles and podcasts that are coming out of the Christ and pop culture community. Thanks again to LifeWay's Christian Standard Bible for supporting this conversation. Persuasion is produced by Jonathan Clausen, and it's part of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Give all those shows a listen at ChristandPopCulture.com, or you can search for Christ and Pop Culture at iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever all you cool kids listen to podcasts these days. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening to Persuasion, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.